What are we discussing on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast? Well, it's time to break down some prospects. So you know what that means. We got Lindsey Crosby of Locked on MLB Prospects on the show to on the show today to discuss Jordan Lawler breakout season. Drew Jones still have to have the patience. And where does the D-backs farm system rank in Major League Baseball? Bringing it all down on today's Locked on Diamondbacks crossover. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all of my latest work. On today's show, I got a whole bunch we're going to talk about with you guys. We're joined by Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects to break down Jordan Lawler's potential breakout season, the patience we need to keep with Drew Jones, and also where does the D-backs farm system rank overall. But I just wanted to say thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the man of the hour, Lindsey Crosby, to break down some prospects. Sir, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. It's always fun to get here and uh, talk snakes with y'all, so I'm really excited. Yeah, a little snakes talk, and uh, you know... The D-backs a couple years ago, one of the best farm systems in the sport. They probably had a lot of content for you. But now, a lot of those top guys on the major league level like Corbin Carroll. So probably a little bittersweet for you covering the Snakes the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always nice to get to see these prospects get promoted and do well. And obviously, Corbin Carroll had an amazing year. Uh, but it does make you a little bit sad because like the obvious stars in the system have been promoted. And so you have to kind mm-hmm. of dig in and find the guys that are really intriguing and, and figure out where do we rank this system? Yeah. And that's always going to be so tough because prospects are just such a crapshoot, such a gamble. And a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, they don't pan out like you would expect, but thankfully D backs got their guy in Corbin Carroll can't miss prospect ended up being a can't miss player MVP candidate. And now the D-backs potentially have one other guy on the way. We saw him have a couple of coffee with the D-backs this past season. Jordan Lawler, top prospect right now in the organization. First round pick from a couple years ago. I just want to ask you, how do we feel about Jordan Lawler's development? And do we think he's ready yet for the major leagues? Because based off the small sample size we saw last year, uh, he did not seem major league ready. And I also think that's okay. He was only 20 years old. The man couldn't even go into a bar and buy himself a drink. So I'm okay with the fact that, you know, he's still young in his career, still got a lot to develop. But where do you see Jordan Lawler right now? And what expectations at all do you have for him potentially making an impact for the D-backs in 2024? The thing we have to understand about Jordan Lawler is he's gotten a grand total of like 120 games in the high minors and like 16 yeah. in AAA. So it makes sense that when he came up, he was getting sporadic playtime. He was not like he was playing every single day, you know, four for 31. I'm not super surprised by that. I honestly 
given what it looks like in the National League West this upcoming year and what the Rookie of the Year race looks like, I'm perfectly fine if Jordan Lawler takes a little more time to to cook in the minors. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me that much. Now, there's he had a really significant like first half to second half improvement. And the thing that it feels like with Jordan Lawler is he's one of those players that starts a little slow until he adjusts to the level. Right. Mm -hmm. So like uh, last year, the first two months of the year, he's making contact like 68 percent of the time. His batting average is like 170. And then after the first two months, from that point through the rest of the year, uh, contact rate of 78 percent batting average of 325. Right. Takes Mm -hmm. him a little time to adjust. And the fact that he hasn't necessarily spent a ton of time in AAA, the thing that I want to do, I want to see him work on is getting better with pulling the ball and getting better about uh, uh, hit quality versus hit quantity. Okay. I want him to be able to, you know, his power, it comes in statistically right around average, right? MLB average for 90th percentile exit below is about 103.8. He was at 103 last year. So the power right now is average. I want to see him do a better job of, of getting quality swings and making quality contact to get the most out of that power. Pull the ball a little bit more, uh, get out in front of it, get the ball lofted. He still hits too many ground balls and things like that. He has the speed where he can still get on base with a ground ball in the infield, right? It's probably 70 grade speed. And so there's some things you can tweak to work on. And I think this season, because you have an established shortstop in Geraldo Perdomo, you've got a third baseman, Eugenio Suarez, and in all likelihood, your rookie of the year is going to go to that guy out in uh, L.A. Because of all of that, I think yeah. you can afford to give Jordan Lawler some time to get comfortable in AAA, make some of the adjustments and then call him up whenever somebody gets hurt. Somebody is ineffective and then let him take over simply because it's not critical. You have him up on opening day because of the PPI thing, because it's probably going to go to Yamamoto. And that's a whole conversation we can have about international. Uh, yeah. Like, like overseas professionals fair? not being eligible for the rookie of the year. That probably should get changed. But for Jordan Lawler, I'm okay if we slow play this. I think he's going to be a really special player. We don't need to rush him. Yeah, Ichiro's 29 with 2,000 hits coming over. I don't think that's a rookie <laughs> right there. Uh, yeah, if you go into MVP in your first season, I don't know if you're considered a rookie. Like on that note, if you can make a distinction when it comes to international free agency about what constitutes a foreign professional or not, then Mm -hmm. you can set up rookie of the year rules to also not let those guys be eligible. And honestly, if you need to make an award just for the foreign professionals, we have quite a few who were debuting this year. The Giants signed a center fielder. Obviously, Yamamoto came over. Uh, The Cubs have a pitcher. That's fine. Make the Ichiro Suzuki award and give it to the best inner, like the best foreign professional to debut in MLB that year and let the prospects contend for rookie of the year. I think that's just the way to do this. That would be cool. I especially it seems like the the like the Asian pipeline from like Japan and Korea is like as strong as ever with some of those players mm-hmm. coming out of those countries. So I mean, <laughs> those the dudes coming from Japan right now it seems like can't miss studs coming into the league year after year every time. Yeah, and yeah. why are they being allowed to get Rookie of the Year when they were professionals for six or seven years in Japan first? Like that, it just makes sense 
take them out of the consideration. We don't put them on prospect lists anymore. MLB Pipeline doesn't. Baseball America doesn't. Let's not put them in rookie of the year races either. Hmm. Interesting. Fun little tangent there. Back to Jordan Lawler. Um, yeah, so definitely the quality of the swings we need to see better because it was so easy whenever he was down like two strikes in account. Oh, just throw high and away and Lawler was going to chase it like every time on the major league level. Mm-hmm. So that's something you definitely want to see him improve. But again, he's just so raw and young. I kind of want to ask you about like the philosophy when you do have a top prospect like Jordan Lawler and you see them like fast track through the system. How, how do you think that affects the, their development? Like, do you like that approach like you we've seen guys like the ben tennies and the Fern- jose fernandez spend like one season in the minor leagues and a lot of those guys you know they were studs in the minors and they came up and they were really good right away so if the guy's good enough to do that i feel like that's an appropriate approach with someone like jordan waller who's barely had any time in the minors and it's not like he's putting up like mvp numbers in double a like maybe someone like him should be slowed down just a little bit like you're saying well I think part of it, too, is because he had that injury in 2021. He had that shoulder injury and he missed some time. Like it, okay. it, the, the timeline gets skewed a little bit, but he, he, in essence, got close to two full years between 22 and 23. But I'm a big proponent of I want my hitters or my pitchers, really. I want my prospects to be challenged. I am in favor of aggressively promoting prospects until you can get them to a level that corresponds with their true talent level. And it was obvious if you go back and you look at the stats, he was not challenged in Hillsborough. He was not challenged in Vizalia. He batted 350 in Vizalia last year. Like he was or he was okay. not challenged in Vizalia. He was not challenged in Hillsborough. Exactly. He was not challenged. So you had to find the right level for him. You saw a little bit of a stumble in double A Amarillo. Uh, and then obviously in Reno, he hit really well because everybody hits really well in Reno, yeah. but it was also a very small sample size. And so I'm okay with aggressively promoting the guy. We saw when he got to the major leagues, yes, it was intermittent playing time, but you could tell from the swing decisions, like you mentioned, uh, the approach when he was down two strikes, things like that. He's probably not necessarily ready at the major league level. And If you were in a different position, right? If this was a team that we knew was not going to be a contender, was not a playoff team, let him learn at the major league level. But we saw last year, this team is perhaps better than a lot of baseball thought it was. You have a shortstop that is working. Obviously, you have a third baseman, you have a second baseman, you know, and and, and that are all playing well right now. Let him spend some time in AAA working on third base, working on some second base if you need him to, and get comfortable with high fastballs, get comfortable with sliders down and away. He swung at those too many times as well. uh, So that when you need him at the major league level, he's ready to go because you don't need to rush him. And also, you don't really have the runway to let him learn on the job at the major league level because this is arguably the second best team in the division uh, just Mm. because nobody's going to say that the Dodgers are not number one, but this is a playoff team as currently constructed. And if you have somebody come in and they significantly struggle, which I'm not saying Jordan Lander will, but if you have somebody come in and struggle like that, that hurts you down the road. So slow play him, let him get comfortable in triple a, and then we will bring him out to the major league level. When somebody gets hurt, when somebody is ineffective, Suarez has strikeout issues, which he's had in the past. Yeah, you can bring Lawler up and let him play some third base uh, and and wait until you need him versus trying to cram him in the lineup now. 
And D-Bats currently have an all-star shortstop in Geraldo Perdomo. So if they need to use him as that bridge gap for a little bit to get to Jordan Lawler, I think that would be a, a dandy approach for the D-Backs. Want to mm-hmm. ask you a little bit about Drew Jones because he's been a guy, tantalizing talent, but dealt with a lot of injuries. So I want to talk about him in segment mm-hmm. number two. But if you want to bet on the D-Backs to potentially win the World Series in 2024, then the best place to do that is FanDuel Sportsbook because the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like, Live same game parlays, find bets in the new explore tab, make a parlay in the parlay hub. My favorite thing to do, same game parlay. Whenever I see the Lakers are playing against a mediocre team, I take AD over in points, AD over in rebounds, and the Lakers money line as my three-legger. Now, that third leg of the parlay, Lakers money line, doesn't hit as much as I was <laughs> that I would want to. But when it does hit, love seeing that direct deposit hit my account. And if you want to see hit your account, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And then also I want to talk to you guys about eBay Motors because passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Go to ebaymotors.com. We are back here on the Locked On Dimebacks crossover with Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects talking a little bit Jordan Lawler. And before we talk about Drew Jones, I do want to ask you because the thing with the D-backs farm system, when you talk about their AAA, like you said, everyone crushes in Reno, right? Everyone with that high elevation in Nevada. The numbers, literally, if you go look at the stats from last year's team, like everyone's like a 350 hitter or like a 9,000 OPS. Like it's insane, uh, the offensive numbers they could put up in Reno. So... When evaluating like these D-backs position players, do you actually think it's smarter to leave like your best guys in double A and then just call them up from there? Because is it kind of hard to figure out who's actually good and who's not if everyone puts up elite stats in triple A? The fun the funny thing about that is Amarillo is actually the best park to hit home runs in, in okay. all of minor league baseball. So never mind. Like, it's it's skewed a little bit too. It, it's not like on the whole, it's not as bad as Reno, but Amarillo is a really good home run park. Uh, the, the thing for me is 
so much of this, and this is, I'm thinking more about pitchers really, but so much of this is confidence, right? You want these Mm -hmm. guys to feel good because like we've heard this, if you feel good, you play good. And so there's part of that at the beginning. I'm I'm skipping, but uh, I don't want my pitchers going to Reno at all. I don't necessarily want my hitters uh, spending too much time in Reno. I'm cool with what they did last year where Lawler got what? 16 games in Reno, Mm -hmm. a chance to build some confidence to like, yeah, I can hit a three, four, five slash line and then I'm going to come up, but I don't want them to spend too long and get kind of bad habits ingrained. And so they're like, this is not the only team that does this. Uh, Los Angeles, the, the angels, they spend most of their top prospects are in double a for the same reason. Cause their triple a is in the desert and the ball flies. So uh, a lot of teams are aware of this, but yeah, it's, it, it's something where it's a little tough to evaluate guys sometimes. And we try to dig under the hood and look at what's your exit velocities, what's your contact rates to try to figure out, okay, is this guy like getting help from the desert or is he legitimately good? That's kind of a struggle for us sometimes. Okay, so you got to look more into the advanced stats because the D-backs were using their AAA kind of like that confidence boost last year because mm-hmm. whenever Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy struggled, it was like, go down to minors, go spend three weeks in AAA, go bat your 480 and then come back up. And, you know, it did kind of work for a little bit. Like, they would come back up and actually swing a lot better bat or at least have a little bit more confidence in the plate than what they had in the re- uh, at the beginning of the regular season when they struggled. So. Uh, that we want to think so much that like this is all just mechanics and stuff like that. But the confidence is a big part of this. And there's a lot of organizations that have started to realize the mental side of this and how we can mentally prepare these prospects to be successful. And that's one of the things that some of the good systems do is give them a couple weeks in Reno, let them rake, but bring them up before they build bad habits. So. Mm. So do you think that like adds to the mystique of someone like Brandon Fott when you're in these uh hitter friendly ballparks and you're putting up 200 strikeout seasons and dominating does that add to like your allure as a prospect and when you think about the rankings i mean honestly it's it's more impressive if a pitcher can go down in triple a and dominate you're like okay yeah brandon fought put up an era under four in triple a yeah. like that's, that's probably impressive. a pretty good it's, it's impressive and it's doubly impressive when you consider where it is right so yeah i mean it, it, it's i probably wouldn't naturally The hard part with that was it's hard to have him at the major league level and send him somewhere that's not triple A, right? Like you didn't Mm -hmm. have a choice there. But for the most part, I I would keep guys in Amarillo for as long as possible before I sent them to Reno simply because it's tough. But even in Reno in 22, his ERA was under three in like 60 innings. Like Brandon fought. There's a reason why going into last season, I said, I'm really excited about what Brandon fought can do this year. And during the regular season, I looked like an idiot for saying that. But in the postseason, Brandon Fott showed that, no, in fact, he learned plenty of lessons from his time in the desert. And he was at, it was a machine in the postseason. Yeah, who knew that Brandon Fott just had to go into Philadelphia and from that raucous crowd <laughs> to turn around his season because what he did in the Golly. playoffs was absolutely uh, phenomenal. And. How cognizant are teams of, you know, their minor league systems when it comes to whether it's like a hitter friendly ballpark or not? Because like the D-backs, like if all these players are putting up big numbers in AAA, does that make them like more of trade bait then? Because D-backs knows like maybe their stats are a little inflated. Do other teams know that maybe D-backs stats from their minor leaguers are a little inflated? Or team like the Yankees who every year they hail their prospects, but then they hit the major league level and it's like, oh, they're maybe not as good. It's like how cognizant are teams 
when it comes to their own farm system, the challenges that they may or may not face, and then how cognizant are other teams of like other teams' farm systems? If that question makes any sense at the end, there. yeah, yeah, it, it does. The, the <laughs> park like park factors for the minor leagues are kind of common knowledge now. Like people who aren't in baseball, like I have park factors for every park in in the minor leagues, and so teams for the most part are aware of that. You do have the issue of some teams, and I'm not going to name names, but Oakland's one of them. Uh, th- that they do kind of get hung up sometimes on conventional statistics and they don't necessarily look at under the hood and account for things like that. But for the most part, most organizations are aware like, OK, we should discount this somewhat. And I've talked to folks inside some organizations where they've told me like their organization has a custom algorithm that automatically kind of discounts production if you're in a place like a Reno if you're Las Vegas, the AAA for Oakland, if you're in some of these levels, they can kind of discount your production to what it would be in a neutral environment so they can better evaluate some of these players. So the good systems, the good organizations are accounting for this, but there are still some out there who you can get one over on them by offering them a guy who raked in Reno and then they get him in the system like, oh, OK, you did this because it was the desert not because you're actually this have this much power okay that's interesting because i i always want to know how do other teams evaluate their prospects because when it's like i'm looking at the zach granke deal and you get back three of the top five prospects in the astros organization but we learn a couple years later you know those guys really weren't that good when you acquired them so it's like how well does one team know the other team's park factors when it comes to the minor leagues i thought that was it is yeah it is really rare to see a top player traded for a bunch of prospects and more than half of those prospects work out. And for the most part, if you have a top player, I'm thinking about the Red Sox with Mookie Betts, I'm thinking about the Zach Grinky deal. For the most part, keep the player because that's a proven commodity. You know what he is yeah. versus these prospects where look at what Colorado got from the Nolan Arenado trade. Look at what uh, Boston got from the Mookie Betts trade. For the most part, it doesn't work out. Keep the player over, keep all these prospects unless it's it's a scenario where you know you can't sign that player to a long-term deal and they're going to walk for almost nothing. Lindsay, you're preaching to the choir over here. I hate <laughs> trading stars for prospects. I feel like I've done so many pods. Like I've looked back to the history. It like It's like a 90% hit rate for the team that gets the best player, which is yep. what makes sense. Usually the deals where you acquire an elite prospect is like the Jordan Alvarez where you trade him for like Josh Fields and you didn't know Jordan was going to be some stud like four years later. So prospect yeah. trading is just so crazy when it comes to Major League Baseball. Again, crapshoot, you just never know. Now, I promise I have a question about Drew Jones. We'll get to Drew, we're yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to have to wait and get to him in segment number three, because first I have to tell our listeners that a little bit about a little thing called game time. If you want to see Drew Jones on the D-backs in 2024, probably more like 2025, 2026. If you want to see him in D-backs uniform at a home game, then the best place to buy D-backs tickets is going to be game time because game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive all in prices excuse me all in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out buy tickets in seconds with just two taps Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Right now, all game time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code 
Vegas 100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use code Vegas 100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's get back on the lock on Dimebacks crossover. Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects and the most tantalizing guy probably in the D-backs farm system. The guy that potentially has the highest ceiling. I want to know if you still think he has the highest ceiling. Drew Jones, someone that we haven't seen a ton yet just because he's dealt with so many injuries to start his career. But still only 19 years old, played 41 games this past year, showed a couple of flashes, but the stats aren't going to jump off the page. What have you seen from Drew Jones so far in his short career? It's been tough to evaluate Drew Jones because of the injuries, right? He had the, yeah. sh- the labor injury, which it's, I've mentioned this on, on this show before, but the last three first round picks have all had a shoulder injury. Like mm-hmm. right after getting drafted, it's weird. You guys are cursed or something, but no, uh, last year, quad strain, hamstring strain. He doesn't get a ton of games. But what I did notice is the like the raw power is there. It's not yet translating into the games. And I think some of that is just the youth, right? The, the inexperience. Mm-hmm. He's still swinging uh, and missing too much. It's the contact rates under 70%. So some of that is he's been hurt. He's still fresh to this. He's hitting a lot of ground balls, and there's been conversation in the prospect apparatus about the swing of Drew Jones. It's very much a flat and level swing, and if you don't have a swing with an upward plane, it takes a certain amount of inherent raw strength to translate that into home runs, and it's a level of strength that Drew Jones right now doesn't have, and so... Uh, You get a lot of ground balls out of that. If it's not optimal contact, you get a lack of power production. He had a 327 slugging last year, only two home runs. And I think a lot of that comes back to it's a mechanically sound swing, right? Like it's not, there's not an issue with the swing, but because he doesn't have that natural up, like uppercut plane, it can only do so much from a power perspective until you have that man strength to just get the ball out. And he's not quite there yet. I'm really curious to see, honestly, if it's me, I send him back to single A to start the year. Okay. He only got 29 games in Vizalia with the Rawhide, and he probably, honestly, I want him to get, you probably don't have to give him there for more than two months or so, but I want him to get a good 45 games or so in single A before I bump him up to high A. You could you could send him straight to high A. This system has not been afraid to advance the top prospects early but i think for drew jones i want him to get comfortable and i want to be able to see what can he do from a power perspective in a more neutral park like bazelia before i send him to high a and then to double a and things like that because the speed's there the defense is fantastic but how much of the lack of power production last year was the injuries how much was the swing and the lack of strength And how much of that was just small sample size? I mean, he got 29 games, 130 plate appearances in single A. So jury's still out. 
all of the tools are still there. It's just a question of what are the ceilings right now? Yeah, if you want to feel good about Drew Jones, he put up his best stats last year, at least when he got promoted to the highest level of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, single A last year. So struggled at rookie ball, but at least put up some decent numbers in uh, this Aaliyah. So hopefully that adds to a Have little I been saying this wrong the entire time? Honestly, I've not- never said it. Uh, that was the first time I've ever said it on the pod. So I'm going off. Okay. What I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, I was like, I was like, because the, the equivalent of that in Georgia is Vizalia. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Let me make sure I'm not saying this. Wrong. Okay. Vizalia Rawhide. I know a couple players there. I'm going to DM them and find out the answer to this for us. Okay. I don't know if I've ever referred to them on a podcast before just now. So I was a yeah. little hesitant myself and had a little doubt in the okay. back of my okay, mind. Cool. We're just going to keep powering through, and hopefully we got that correct. Um, So, yeah, still excited, super excited about Drew Jones. Um, He's been falling a little bit down the prospect rankings, but again, I just think it's due to the fact that he's still like an unknown commodity, you know, two years in yeah. to his major league career. And, you know, if someone like him and Jordan Lawler hit, I mean, if one of them just hit, that's going to be a major boost to this D-back ceiling who seem to be improving and continuing to get better year after year. Before we wrap up today, I just want to ask you, like, overall, how do you view the D-backs farm system? Like, where would you slot them in roughly among all the systems in Major League Baseball? Okay, so so the thing here with this is you don't quite have the high end, the depth in the high, like, in the top of the system, right? Mm -hmm. You have Drew Jones, who we think is still a tier one, you know, uh, plus player at the Major League level, but we just don't have enough to go off of. You have Jordan Lawler. And then after that, it's a bit of a drop off. So I probably have them in the back half of that middle group. You know, if you have like the first 10, the middle 10 and the back 10, I probably have them in the back half of that middle 10. Now, I do think that there's a lot of players that can really make jumps this season. Tommy Troy, big fan of Tommy Troy. We'll talk about him in the next episode. Uh, Some of these pitchers, Hansel Luis, Christopher Turin, some of these guys, in the lower levels can really make jumps. And I think by the end of 24, this system can be in the top half of baseball. But right now I've probably got them just behind the midpoint simply because you don't have the depth that you had before you caught up an Alec Thomas, before you caught up a Corbin mm-hmm. Carroll, uh, a Brandon fought some of these guys. Yeah, I think that's okay. You're okay being the second half of the you know middle part, like you just said, when it's because the players who were top prospects are now contributing to a team that went to the World Series. When you see those exactly. guys actually realize their potential, you're okay not being at the top of those prospects list. You don't want to be there forever. Um, so glad to see some of those top D-backs prospects get promoted and actually contribute to the D-backs because, again, I'm going to say for a third time, prospects crapshoot and Corbin Carroll has been a stud. Alec Thomas, I mean, real quick, uh, how, how have you... How do you view Alec Thomas? Obviously, defensive monster, but offensively still needs to get a lot better. And we haven't exactly, you know, he came up as a dude, high contact ability, considered maybe 280 average hitter, not a lot of power, but still gap power, maybe 15 home runs. And he really hasn't tapped into that offense yet. Is that something that you're worried about yet? You know, two years into Alec Thomas's career now? I think some of the issues Alec Thomas has had at the major league level is because he's tried to do too much. I think he's tried to hit okay. for more power than he inherently has. And so you see him roll over on pitches. You see him blew too many balls yeah. on the ground and he's got good speed. He can run some of those out. But I think if he would do one of those things where he stopped necessarily trying to hit for power and just went for quality contact, I think you'd see him do a lot better. And you saw him in the postseason kind of shorten up and get into more of a 
I just want to make quality contact kind of things. Uh, he did get better against lefties. I think the potential is there to be a plus, but I want to say uh, through the end of this, like August 30th through the end of the season, he hit like 270. And I think that's more emblematic of who he could be if he stops trying too hard. So I think that's that's kind of where I am with Alec Thomas right now. Yeah, because right now he's kind of like a, a Jackie Bradley S player when he first got called up, where it's <laughs> elite defense highlight reel, but it's not like, oh, if he ever gets a bat together, he's going to be a stud. And Jackie Bradley 2016 mm-hmm. did have a season where he got the bat together. So if Alec Thomas can do anything close to 2016 Jackie Bradley offensively, he could be a major X factor for the D-backs next season. Don't worry, guys. We got another episode this week with Lindsey Crosby breaking down some of the top prospects that could help out the D-backs this season. But, Lindsey, we're wrapping up today. Where can the listeners find you online? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. And then, obviously, six days a week in the spring previewing all the farm systems. We knocked out Arizona early in January. It's the Friday, January 5th episode. Go check it out preview of all of these guys in this system yeah go check out Lindsay on twitter go check out locked on mlb prospects youtube and wherever you stream podcasts Lindsay, we're going to be talking again very soon thank you sir for breaking down jordan lawler drew jones and the d-backs farm system rankings Doses. oh this year build your credit history with the chime secured credit builder visa credit card no credit checks to apply get started at chime.com build the chime credit builder visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp bank na or stride bank na members fdic chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply